It's go time. Previously on Third Down Gamble. I, I think there's I think there's a little more competitiveness across and you look at get the right guys on the field, get the right coaching in place. It, it puts a lot more pressure on management as far as I'm concerned. First down. It's uh, been slow in the CFL, but there was some news coming out uh, on the 8th, I believe it was, where we heard that Kyle Thorne uh, is now suing the Eskimos for wrongful dismissal, alleging that the GM, Brock Sunderland, asked him to circumvent the salary cap. Yes, just luck of the draw for us that uh, we happen to come out one day before all this happens, of course. In podcast world, it seems like we've come out the day after, but we've actually recorded at least 48 hours before we finally get it out. Mm -hmm. And it was a bit of a stunner. I actually checked in. It was kind of a mixed reaction. Sure. Whether these allegations of uh, that they were trying to keep players on the injured list that were healthy just to save money on the cap, that's a tough one. I don't know, and I'm curious to see how this plays out. I wonder if, if a number of teams aren't trying to do that on occasion. If, you're, if you've got a good player and you have uh, limited space on your practice roster and that, uh, would they not move some people to the injured reserve? I, I would think that they may. Well, there was an issue when Chris Jones was in Saskatchewan, and it dealt with Rob Bag, and whether Rob Bag was actually injured or was he... There was some confusion over that at the time, and I don't know whatever ultimately got resolved, but it's one of those uh, dictates of the six game, right? Mm -hmm. If you pull them off before the six games are up, you pay the salary against the cap, and that always puts teams in a bind. That's a very tough sort of, we need this guy, but crap, if we pull him out now, we got to pay an extra 50000 or 100000 towards the cap. That really hurts. It does, but I, you know, in some teams, I would think may have a rookie player that they're able to play for less money, but they like to hold a, a veteran player in behind in case he needs to be activated. You're right that the injured list, I mean, whether it's a one game or a six game, I guess when it's six, it's not counting, right? And therein lies the difference when it's one that can, and, or does it count? Do you know, Don? Well, there. remember last year, Trevor Harris went on the uh, six game mm -hmm. and had come off, I think, with a week to go. So that five games counted like he had been playing the whole time in terms of the Eskimos' salary cap. Here's their top paid player, and they brought him back early. Well, it will be interesting to see what happens coming of this. You know, if you, as you said earlier, you know, he's looking, he was dismissed, and he's claiming wrongful dismissal due to this. Um, he's certainly asking for da some good damages, I believe it was in the $600,000 range, and he was making $100,000 a year. Yeah, so that would be salary plus punitive. Mm-hmm. And we shall see. I, what we will find mm -hmm. from it will be fascinating. A lot of times these things get settled out of court and we never find out. That's right. And, and, and that very well may happen here um, because often, like you said, it, there'll be a payment one way or the other. And uh, then we don't hear much about it. And this one, it will be interesting to see if it does come back. But let's stay out in Edmonton just for a moment. Uh, Don, we were just discussing history a while ago with some games coming on. We'll talk about that more uh, as we move forward. But um, interesting to note, when we stay out in Edmonton on April 13th, 1978, so 42 years ago is when I think a CFL legend, Warren Moon, was signed. Well, he is a CFL legend, let's face it. Football legend, truly. He he is on both sides of the border. Uh, his time with Houston and Seattle in the NFL, but clearly his the signing with the Eskimos in 1978, 
that it coincided ironically in the year that Ronnie Lancaster retired from the Rough Riders at the end of that season. So mm-hmm. the two did cross paths. And there you've got one legend leaving and another one beginning. It's kind of always interesting. You sure do. But uh, he came into a great situation in Edmonton, and they went on a five great cup tear in a row during that era, which I don't think we'll ever see again. The premier dynasty, I would say, in the CFL, in, in, in modern CFL times, anyway. Well, this was pre-salary cap, and the Eskimos did have a little bit of a leg up in one sense because they had just opened Commonwealth and the revenue stream coming from Commonwealth helped them pay a few bills. It sure did. So it made it tough for other Western clubs, especially to sign players. If Edmonton could come in with a few thousand more and say, come here and you can play in front of 50,000. Definitely not. But you can't blame them for that. <laughs> no, no, not an even playing field. And, and part of the reason that they won five in a row, and I think in this salary cap age, we're not likely to see that again. What the contra argument to that is, is that the Eskimos have been going to Grey Cups prior to Moon's arrival. They had gone in 73, they had gone in 74, 75, missed in 76, and then we're back in 77. So this was not necessarily a salary cap issue back in those years because Commonwealth wasn't around, but they had had a really strong foundation of a powerful team. And when Moon came along, that was just what they needed to kick them over the top. Yeah, absolutely. Great player. I loved watching him play and uh, definitely an exciting time to think back to 42 years ago. It's hard to believe that that much time has elapsed in a way because when I think of that, I mean, I'm just a little guy, but I can remember Warren Moon running all over the field and then suddenly stopping up and there was always somebody. You got to know all those receivers because he was such a prolific quarterback and, and he did move the ball around. It was awesome to watch uh, uh, such a raw talent develop in those years. Yeah, he he really redefined the position, I felt, because we'd had scrambling quarterbacks before, but not with that cannon arm that he displayed. Now, at the same time, there was Dieter Brock playing in the CFL. Conridge Holloway as well. Who probably, with the flick of a wrist, could could throw it as far as any human could ever. He could. But Conridge Holloway as well. I mean, you get onto that uh, run and gun, right? Exactly. The run and shoot offense that Toronto ran. And you've got some, you know, Joe Barnes was another scrambling type quarterback. You go back to, I think, really, Warren Moon, who's the guy that took it from you were a scrambler, and now you're just a, a multi-dimensional quarterback. Like he, he moved, he, he elevated it. It changed the game. It was no longer just sitting in the pocket, the ability to spread the field and, uh, you know, play. play um, you know, we saw it later when, when Doug Flutie came in, and there's a lot of uh, ad-libbing as the play went, and, and uh, Moon started that, I believe. The thing about Moon and if you draw the direct line to Flutie, they were the type of quarterbacks that ran to throw. Mm-hmm. And we've seen other quarterbacks that just run to run, and their careers typically don't go as well. Tracy Ham clearly would be the one rider that went the other way, where at first he ran to he was quarterbacking and he ran as much as he threw, but then over time he developed and developed and developed into a good pocket passer. Absolutely. So, if we really want to get into this treatise, we should take a look at quarterbacks next week and just talk about what quarterbacks provided over the eras. We absolutely should. Another runner that I, I think of very quickly is Damon Allen. When he first started, he was a strong runner coming out of Edmonton and, and uh, ran mostly to run until he developed the throwing game more. Yeah, but hit, how many quarterbacks do you know that have run for 10,000 yards? Not too many. Not too many. Unbelievable. And Damon Allen was a talent beyond talent. Absolutely. Well, let's, let's bring that up next week, Don. 
second down. Remember, for proper social distancing, if you are close enough to shake hands, you are too close. The recommended distance is two meters. CFL is, uh, of course, uh, now taking a look. We've talked about this uh, many times about, uh, you know, changing season or potentially postponing season. So the question becomes, if the season is suspended or if there's no season at all, how does that impact the CFL players that are currently under contract? Well, it's been an interesting sort of debate that's popped up. Uh, I think Third Down Nation put it out there and uh, they're referring to the standard players contract and article 16 quote it is mutually understood and agreed that if the operation of the canadian football league is suspended this contract shall immediately be terminated and the remuneration to be paid the player shall be on the basis as provided by paragraph 11 herein paragraph 11 says if you you know sort of sort of, sort of sets up some standards and protocols about payment schedules as per the contract anyway. And that's that's what's in that document. And that's what people are pointing to. The question then becomes, does a cancellation of a season constitute a suspension of operations of the Canadian Football League? So in the event that the league is suspended and can't get any games in, what currently stands in contract now could potentially mean that CFL players could be free agents. Intended originally, I would think, in case the league ever folded, right? It's more to protect the league from financial responsibilities. But now it can be taken in a different direction, right? It comes down to how you understand the language. The language says, if the operation of the Canadian Football League... Now, operation is not defined. So does operation mean that the league... Folds. ...ends? Or does operation mean no season... What does it mean? And that's something that has to be interpreted. Sometimes in contract language, you don't anticipate something <laughs> until that something appears. And then suddenly you're looking at it going, ah, we needed more clarity. So so they would, you're telling me they didn't anticipate COVID-19. That's a really short-sighted. <laughs> no, no. I don't think any player contract would anticipate COVID-19. You know, I'm not a lawyer, but I did sleep in my own bed last night. If my understanding is correct, I don't know that all players would become free agents. I don't, I don't think that's what the clause is there for. You have to define operation. Does operation mean that still have employees and that you're still running a business out of Toronto? Absolutely. Even if you have your GMs. Then operation means the CFL is still active. But if you're defining it strictly as a season, then that's something completely different. And there's no reference to season in that clause. Well, I'm sure in this pause that's going on right now across the world that uh, the CFL is, is probably actively seeking out legal advice as well as connecting with the CFLPA, because I would not think that this would be in the player's benefit. But I'd be interested to hear from a player's perspective if that, you know, would this be seen as beneficial? Would this be something that they would want? I can't see it. I haven't seen on Twitter or I haven't heard from anybody that the players are jumping up and you know with joy over this and let's let's think of this in one sort of context let's say wildest scenario everybody comes FAs nine teams you've got 450 free agents or something like that what would you prefer to be 
under contract still and going, okay, I'd, maybe the season wasn't played, but I'm good to go next year because I've, my contract still applies. Or I'm in a pool of 450 players, first come, first serve, where am I on that list? Well, I think it's going to depend. I mean, if you're one of the premier players in the league, it's probably a benefit. But for the majority of players, I don't see that as being beneficial. And if I'm... That's exactly what I think. If I'm Solomon el I'm thinking you're protecting the players as a whole collective group. So in that case, I would think the CFLPA would be working closely with the league to make sure that they don't end up in that situation. And I would think it's in the CFLPA's best interest to do that. And Solly Aluminian is no dummy. He understands the world, and he also understands how fleeting football careers are. Mm-hmm. This clause was not intended for a COVID-19 situation. So then the question begs of, if you're the other party, how much do you want to pursue this? Do you want to say that everyone's a free agent? Do you want to push on that point? I can't speak for the for the, the CFLPA, but and just in my mind, why would you want to? Like, what 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 are you going to gain? Well, the the only thing that uh, you know from from a fan standpoint that would be interesting is is basically it's putting everyone into the draft, everyone who's ever played, and it would be quite interesting to see how. GMs might reconstruct their teams in the event that that did occur. But imagine if you're... But again, from a player stability standpoint, that does not make sense. Imagine if you're Hamilton, Saskatchewan, Winnipeg, Calgary, teams that were dominant last year. What are you going to think when this comes out that, oh my goodness, we have to start from scratch? Yeah. Now, granted, I think a lot of players would just re-sign with their teams in this sort of epic moment, but... I just don't think that any of the teams that have built a, a strong unit are thrilled with the notion of having to start over. No, I mean, that that would be an incredible amount of work. And I mean, you'd need a whole off season just to get that even sorted out and, and uh, ready for the next year. I think that would be extremely difficult for the league, for the operation side, for the players too. Because I mean, not only that, but everyone becomes a free agent. The NFL can then take whomever, Right. There's options and opportunities for players, which might be a benefit to some of the players again as well. But for many, it's not. The ones who have two or three year contracts out there right now are guaranteed an income beyond this year. The ones that are going to be going into free agency, it puts you a little bit of risk. You're a year older. You haven't played. You have no tape. You have no film. Uh, If the league doesn't play, uh, then it's going to definitely impact their ability to re-sign for potentially more money. Well, that's an interesting point that you bring up. If you think of having to re-sign every player in the league. So I think, I, I don't think anything is going to come of this. I personally think it's a great theoretical muse point, but that's as far as it goes. I don't think it's in anyone's best interest to pursue this. And I don't think either side wants to. You may come into an interesting dilemma with players that were under contract, didn't play a season, and now does their contract count for this year? And could they now try out for the NFL at the end of what would have been the 2020 season, even having not played a game? Yeah, that's the question, right? Does the year continue as is, or, or does this count as one year, even though they didn't play or didn't operate in the event that the CFL can't make it to the field this year? The other thing that I guess it would do, it would make uh, for a great future episode, Don, if this continues for a long time and we were to make the conjecture that all players are released, it's, it, you know, who's your first pick? Who are, you, who are you building your team around on your O-line, on your D-line? It would be an interesting uh, potential topic. It'd be a great thought experiment. I'd be kind of intrigued to, to try it out and see what's what, but I probably would 
come up with a team that people would go, what was he thinking? And then I, just, <laughs> I was going to say, that's why we're on the podcast, Don, rather than uh, being the GMs in this league. <laughs> <laughs> Third Down Gamble. The XFL 2 is no more. Yeah, it um, is done. They filed for Chapter 11 bankruptcy and, uh, you know, not long after suspending operations. So some of the talk that was out there of, you know, maybe the CFL should join the XFL. Now we don't even have to talk about that anymore, Don. It is nice to get away from that. I've read about this on so many groups about how if the CFL would just merge with the XFL, what a great day for football. And it was frustrating to read. And I just got so tired of it because I argued incessantly, why would you take a league that's been around for over 100 years, not in its present constitution, but 60 plus in its current form, and hook that to a fledgling league that had tried 20 years ago, didn't make it, and here they are trying again. And they're blaming it on COVID, which, okay, fine. But their numbers and their attendance were tumbling before COVID hit. I agree. I think it was just a matter of time. We said that when the league started, that if there's anything to come out of this league, certainly there's some players that got a look, got a bit of tape, and and potentially can end up either in the NFL or the CFL or other leagues in Europe. And, um, you know, that's maybe beneficial for them. The other thing I guess I would say is that it allowed leagues like the CFL that sometimes take a look at what they're doing in terms of their rules to take a look at some different options. And again, what was good, what wasn't good. Um, we've talked briefly in our podcast about some of the things that they had. And, uh, you know, would it be interesting to see some of those things in the CFL? I wonder. Well, it's a, it's an interesting thing to consider that point of it. I was just, it's another spring league that mm-hmm. didn't make it. Uh, we've had the AF, the USFL, we've had World Football League, the World League of American Football. There's just time after time after time. And the juggernaut is not the Canadian Football League that they have to overcome. It's the NFL. And as much as people thought that the XFL not playing in the same season wouldn't be impacted by that, they are clearly subject to the NFL and its stronghold in the United States. The NFL and and you can go to college. Those are the two big operations that we talk about in terms of watching football in the States. It's been shown time after time after time that leagues, well, they'll come up. There's some initial interest. They just don't seem to be able to compete. And people aren't looking for those sports at that time of year. I mean, we often have uh, athletes who specialize in one sport over time. Uh, If you go year-round in it, I don't think they're as well-rounded as they are when they're doing, you know, seasons where they switch from football to baseball to something different. And and I think that's shown out in people's interest of watching leagues like the XFL. Like, I think you hit a satiation point with anything. Football is a great game. Whether you prefer the CFL as we do or the NFL as a lot of people south of the border do, it's just it's a game unto itself and it's a, a game that is really built for the strategist in any one of us, whether it's through betting, whether it's just enjoyment of the tactics of the game. It just has so much going for it. So the XFL was trying to take a piece of that and it just wasn't there to be had. I'm not sad to see it go, to be honest. Uh, certainly I've watched the first game for about 15 minutes and and after that I decided I probably wasn't going to watch again. I think all told I may have watched a half hour different weekends but I just I never developed an affinity for it. As soon as I saw that weird looking kickoff I thought what is this gimmick? That threw me. And kind of walked away from it. I thought oh 
I like my CFL. So on on the only thing that I said could potentially come out of this is that some of those players who got on tape may end up getting a CFL tryout. And uh, we're seeing a few of the players sign fairly quickly afterwards. Armonte Edwards being the first. The Eskimos grabbed him as soon as possible. Mm -hmm. Uh, We've got SJ Green, a couple of other players that have signed with the XFL that are now going to be free agents. Yep. That's it'll be interesting. There's going to be obviously some talent that within the XFL that was not a part of the CFL before that some CFL teams will be looking at. Mm -hmm. So they've got some tape, they've got something to look at, and the CFL could come knocking, and maybe we'll see a few more of these players. The AF produced a few for the NFL and the CFL, Mm -hmm. the XFL too could. Do the same thing. Well, and that's good for players anytime that they can get there. And and you know it's it's interesting because we talk about spring football and as we're we're getting to the point where we would normally be gearing up for training camps, but uh, TSN right now is going to move to their Friday night double headers. What are you thinking about that, Don? It's football. It is. <laughs> and and I am I'm so happy to see this. I uh, I'm just I've sat through the first ones. I've enjoyed it. It's been a lot of fun, and it's just wetting my appetite, which is maybe sort of a tough thing to go through because don't know when the CFL is actually going to come back for real. No, it could, it could be quite a while. We could be waiting to August, it sounds like now at the earliest, right? So um, it's fun to see it. It is kind of spring football, but it's at a time where we'd normally be talking about who's signed, who's coming in, what teams are uh, going to do to change their offense, their defense. So at least it gets us talking about football. And speaking of that, Don, I, I had the opportunity to go to TSN's schedule and just put down the number of games each team is going to be playing. And uh, it's interesting when you do it. Uh, I know these are classic games and they're looking for games that were uh, obviously good audience types of games. But when you go through, BC's got two games. Edmonton only has one game. I can't imagine the uh, guys at the Empire podcast are thrilled about that. Calgary's got eight, Saskatchewan five, Winnipeg five, Hamilton also has five, as does Montreal. Then Toronto's got three and Ottawa two. So a real variance in games for some of the teams. Well, Edmonton did appear prior to this schedule. Mm-hmm. They showed them in the uh, versus Calgary in the Western Finals. So the Eskimos have appeared. But it seems to me TSN has gone for the storyline. Toronto's winning Grey Cups. It's Calvillo this, it's Milt Stiegel setting a record, G. Roy Simon setting a record, and not too often are there great games Mm -hmm. associated with this. The 2012 Grey Cup, although it was a fantastic event, the game itself wasn't as good as hoped. 2017, quite the opposite. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe maybe beyond May, like this is taking us to the end of May, so maybe beyond May they'll start to take a look at some of those classic games with the, the fantastic finishes or the great comebacks. Uh, for for me, those are the games that I want to see. You know, I we've we those of us who've been following the league for a long time know Milt Stegall and what he's done. You know, he's done some amazing things in the league as a receiver. But as you say, if the game doesn't live up to the expectation, I think it it potentially. You know, isn't isn't as enticing for people to come watch? Well, you've got Saskatchewan's uh, rematch against the Alouettes, you know, after they lost the 13th man Grey Cup. They show that game, which was an amazing game. That was a great game, yeah. In Taylor Field that year. That was. We were both there. Yes. That was the catch with S.J. Green at the back of the end zone, was it not? Like, that's one of the all-time catches. But when he became immortal. Yep, <laughs> that was it. He, he did something that I don't think any human could actually do. Uh, last year's uh, BC versus Hamilton game, 
Uh, it was Hall of Fame night, but the game itself proved to be a wonderful game mm-hmm. and had all kinds of ebbs and flows, a big comeback, and that one's going to be fun to watch. I'm more about the game itself. I'm less about the story around the game. Mm-hmm. I'm much more about, was the game exciting? Did it bring us to a, a point where with a minute to go, we're on the edge of our seats and wondering what's going to happen? 2006 game, Winnipeg and Edmonton. You don't know what's going to happen in the CFL, and that that would be a fantastic game. That, absolutely. And those are the games that I hope they move to beyond uh, beyond the end of May. Find some of the, the games, and, and I think you can go back as early as the 90s. Um, you know, I, I'm looking at these. They're all in the 2000s, so they're for this uh, more recent fans, but I think some classic games moving back at least a couple decades would be fine as well. Well, these are all high-def games. That's the other thing I think TSN is keeping in mind. Mm-hmm. So I got to give them credit for doing this. This is fantastic. I, even though I may not like all the picks. Yep. Wow, this is so much fun to see some Friday night doubleheader football. Well, it is, it is. And, uh, you know, once we get towards the end of May, that's when they would normally be playing games. So I think it's great they're keeping their brand uh, up on their, their network. And uh, for those of us who are CFL fans, it gives us something to watch. And even if we're not watching it on that time, I know I'm going to be taping them so I can watch them again later in the week. Oh, for sure. I'm, I'm, I'm sitting through them every weekend and I'm, I'm having a blast. <laughs> My wife, she'll sit with me with... The real games, like we'll be together in that room to watch when the CFL is back for real. But she's not a big one on watching repeats. Absolutely, my wife's my wife's. Uh, you know, she'll watch some of them if they're exciting games. But if they're just milestone games, well, we've we've seen the milestones, right? It's not so much. But if we know this is going to be a thrilling game and there's a lot of action in the game, uh, those are the ones that I I know she would watch. Well, that's what I'm thinking. The 2017 Grey Cup, Toronto Calgary. I mean, five minutes to go. Calgary's got that game won, and then everything just disappears for them with the most unbelievable sequence that I've remembered in the Grey Cup in a, you know, for a long, long time. And then, you know, the other game that they're showing right away is BC and Hamilton Hall of Fame night and that thriller. So you've got the other game, you know, the, I'm just thinking back to BC and Hamilton, June Jones, remember he, mm-hmm. he decides to punt instead of kick a field goal. The Lions go down the field <laughs> with a drive and have the miracle catch by Burnham, of course, in the end zone. And that would be another game to show because there's all the intrigue about the game itself. Like the game provides the drama. It is. And that's, I think, what I, I, you know, I'm glad we have some of these classic games, but that's what I'm going to miss because heading into any any game, you never know what's going to happen in the CFL. And it can be just an outstanding barn burner of a game or it can be a defensive struggle. So it's fun to watch. Well, the CFL to me is, uh, as you describe it, and even more, because the one thing that the CFL has always provided what are they going to do now? <laughs> to get into the strategy of the game, that's where it becomes interesting, as it does in any game when you're watching. The CFL, though, I, I, I love the strategizing. of. Um, we'll sit back and second-guess some of the coaches, but, uh, you know, you never know. I'm sure every CFL fan is doing that with their coaches and the decisions that they make as well. That's what makes it so interesting. That's part of what we watch for is to see how everybody develops and how this all plays out. Absolutely. Well, at least it's a win-win as we uh, know the CFL is showing these games through to the end of May, so we've got a lot to watch in the next little while. Thank you for listening to our show. Third Down Gamble is hosted on Podbean. Third Down Gamble can be found on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. Follow us on Twitter, where our handle is at Third Down Gamble. That's spelled at T-H-I-R-D-D-O-W-N G-A-M-B-L-E. 
join us again next time. The Third Down Gamble Podcast. Audio worth watching.